I um <laughs> so you know I got uh a new phone. Oh yeah, what'd you get? I meant to ask I, you, but I got the Samsung it's like the S twenty one plus five G. I didn't know they had the twenty one out. Yeah. Hmm. I was going to get the twenty one whatever ultra, but I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to like um lease it or if I wanted to just outright buy it and buying was expensive and and leasing it was like 45 bucks a month Mm -mm. so I was like no I'll just do this one it was only 16 yeah so which is less than my last phone so I'm saving money yeah I think that was really nice that was the wisest choice did you figure out the everything with it because I know you're having issues yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So the instructions were not clear Oops. at all because so I originally went into the store to get the Note 20 because I like the notes, but I mean the S21 has like a really nice camera, so I was like I might as well try it. Um, but that was after I'd already left the store because they didn't have the Note 20. And they're like, just go online and do it that way. Yeah. And then I got on there and I was like, well, that's kind of expensive. I'll just do this 21. But then when I ordered it, oh, I froze. Oh, that's weird. That is My weird. internet's been really weird the past two days. Ooh. Like it, it was completely fine. And then out of nowhere, it just randomly disconnected, at least on my uh, computer. Do you all have at and um, or Spectrum? AT&T. They don't do fiber out here. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That might be the it. Yeah. Yeah, it's never been this bad, though. Like, it told me I couldn't even connect to that, the network earlier. It was very weird. Um. Oh, but yeah, so I, I ordered the phone, paid for it and everything, and an hour later I got an email saying um, that it wasn't in stock and that they would let me know when it was in stock. Even though it's, it was definitely in stock in the store. Yeah. And it said it was in stock when I ordered it. Mm. And then it literally a week later, they said, like, when I was about to call and be like, cancel it, I'm going to the store. And it fin- they finally sent me an email saying, it'll be there. And then the next day it arrived in, in the mail. Um, okay. But the instructions for switching it. Super uh, rough. Not not straightforward (laughs) not straightforward and then i couldn't do the transfer between my phone the phones wirelessly because like i said my internet was being really really messed up yeah it's like never that bad i don't understand and like even when i was trying to do my research it was rough i wonder if it's just with the most recent update for with your laptop I thought so, too, but even my mom's computer was doing it. So, I don't know. Uh, it's been 
a week. The past week was just, like, so rough. And, like, it wasn't even rough, rough. It was just rough. Yeah. And on top of that, um, there was the Derek Chauvin trial. And he was convicted, which... (sighs) Like... Like, I'm glad that there is... That he was convicted, that he is going to face justice but it should have never happened it shouldn't it shouldn't have happened yeah it was just awful um yeah and like i keep feeling like uh kind of burnt out from like and on all like the onslaught of information about it but at the same time i'm kind of like that must be how like black people and people of color in general probably feel all the time yeah too and worse because they're actually at the hands of that sort of violence and ugh. right i mean i'm not gonna lie i'd be terrified in that situation i can't even imagine how they would feel yeah how do we move on from this talk? so um moving on look at this adorable weird little creature here this is an oxalotl that's like split down the middle of the breed oh like look oh that's at weird it. It's so cute. I Did love it. Did you know it. there's a type of slug that can cut off its own head? Well, technically its body. No. And it regrows its body. Yeah. Sea slugs? What? Yeah. What? Oh my god. It, it cuts off its head. That um the part that's moving is the head. Yeah. And yeah. They their bodies grow back in three weeks. A sea slug's head chums up with its still living body three days after it decapitated itself. Okay, but what a title. Um, the future is now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Okay, that was interesting. Alrighty, hello, hello, hello. Hello. Well, not Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 Who's the special guest we got here? And welcome back to Auntie Mays. (laughs) (laughs) And Auntie Josephine's (laughs) podcast about... About churning butter. (laughs) Churning butter. And how to infuse those butters <laughs> with the herbs in your own garden. Oh, hold on. Hold on. The herbs in your own garden. <laughs> Which is something I can do, by the way. <laughs> anyway, yes, welcome. Yes. Uh, I'm Grace and that's Rachel. And that is Grace and I'm Rachel and you are on our special M-E-S-S episode that is number I don't 78. know. 78. We are not on M-E-S-S episode 78. We are. <laughs> we are. No, we are on no, episode no, 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 78. No, this is episode 78 total. This is the mess episode 6. <gasps> I was going to say, Grace, how far in the future did we go? <laughs> um, A little very far. We are mess number 6 here, guys. And what a mess it is been an interesting <sighs> one that's for sure um so okay i know my story what is your story this week so originally i had something picked out and i was going through it i had all this information i had to sift through um and then i realized it would probably be like a long thing there was so much information to go through and i went to bed the day before we were 
originally supposed to record and I had not finished before I went to bed so I fell asleep and I had a dream that I needed to change it <laughs> and then I did change it Good so reason. Good I woke reason. up and I changed it so today I'll be talking about the puka the puka the puka puka like yes like the movie puka I don't know there there was some um it's a uh, so my sources are wikipedia, emeraldisle.ie, irishcentral.com, atlasobscura.com, youriresh.com, connollycove.com, and theirishroadtrip.com. It's a um Irish uh creature in Celtic folklore. Folkloric puka means like goblin, sprite, or ghost. Okay. So sort of kind of similar because i am I looked at pictures sort yes that weird cat What's, thing the first thing that you popped up funny is, is you saw that tiktok no oh when i was looking for my story this popped up <laughs> what <laughs> yeah it did it did and i was like oh this is a cute little critter Hmm. Well, um, you know, I'm glad we didn't accidentally do the same thing that would have been oh my god how funny would that be <laughs> This is why we normally put our stuff on the uh-huh. list. On the list, um, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so, like I said, the puka is a primarily a creature of Celtic folklore and fairy tales of Ireland. A uh, similar fairy entity uh, appears in the mythology of Scotland, Wales, Cornwall, um, and a couple other places. They're considered to be bringers of both good and bad fortune. Uh, they could help or hinder. The origin of the name, there isn't a comp- like a total like known uh, origin, but it may have come from the Old Norse term puk or puki, which refers to a nature spirit. Uh, usage of the term in Ireland might have like it might predate the arrival of Norse settlers, although. You can't really deny the similarities in Germanic languages. It later became um, like puk or puck. Mm. Yeah, puck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the name of the puka may also have come from the Irish word pock, meaning a male goat, which is a form that the creature is often said to take. Okay, so that is an interesting tidbit. According to legend, the puka is a shapeshifter capable of assuming a variety of forms. It'll most commonly take the form of a horse, cat, dog, rabbit, raven, fox, wolf, goat, or goblin. The puka can also take on the form of a human, sometimes a young man or potentially a gorgeous woman, but in a human form, it'll still have like animal-like features like ears or a tail. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, animal ears or a tail. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm trying to process what you said before. Animal ears or a tail. Because so you like, said it like you meant something else, but then you didn't. And then you were like, but no, like, a- animal ears. Well, no, because I was thinking, like, humans have ears. Oh, okay. Ears <laughs> and a tail. Okay. But it would have, like, animal okay. ears. <laughs> what? You mean these aren't animal ears? All the- well, you were technically correct. <laughs> <laughs> we are all animals. No matter what form the puka takes, the fur is almost always dark, with occasional stories having it be white fur. One of the most common shapes the puka will take is that of a sleek black horse, namely a colt, mm. uh, with a flowing mane, and throughout most of the stories, they'll always have like bright golden or reddish eyes. 
Mm-hmm. Creepy. Imagine that so it's like towards you across the moors. So it's. <laughs> oh wait, that's Scotland, isn't it? Um, are, are there moors I in Ireland? I think there's moors in Ireland. Hold on, Irish moors. <laughs> yep. Okay. They okay, are a okay. thing. The Cliff of Moor, Moors, and others. Irish moor. Irish moor. Okay. Irish moor. Irish moor. It's beautiful, by the way. Hmm. <laughs> Depending on what area you're in, Apuka can be malevolent or benevolent. Uh, an account I collected from a boy living near Killarney mentions that older people used to say that there were a lot of them a long time ago. They were wicked-minded, black-looking, bad things that would come in the form of wild colts with chains hanging from them that could harm unwary travelers. Okay. Also, <laughs> some all fun little tidbits. Young children were warned not to eat overripe blackberries because it was a sign that the puka had entered them or pooped on them. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I was like, that the puka had entered him? Yeah, the, I'm assuming the blackberries had, um, berries, okay. Yeah. Puka sometimes, as a horse, gallops across the countryside, knocking down fences and gates and destroying crops. Even the sight of a puka, (laughs) even the sight of a puka would stop the cows from giving milk and the hens from laying eggs. Oh. So, Yeah. Pukas can also be seen as simply mischievous, which is interesting to me because of how uh, the name later changed to Puck. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely, it, Mm -hmm. quite a coincidence. Clinky dink. For instance, (laughs) if a human is enticed onto a puka's back as a horse, then it's been known to give them a wild and terrifying journey before dropping the person back at the place they were taken from. And... All of these accounts tend to occur in a more rural, isolated place, so you still have to make the trek <laughs> to wherever you were intended to go before all of that. Yeah. So you're tired. <laughs> yes. According to some folklorists, the only man to ever actually ride a puka was Brian Boru, the High King of Ireland, by using a special bridle incorporating three hairs of the puka's tail. His physical prowess meant that he was able to stay on its back until the puka was exhausted and surrendered. The king forced it to agree to two promises. First, that it no longer tormented Christian people and ruined their property. Yeah. And second, that it would never again attack an Irishman, except those who were drunk or were broad with evil intent. Um, Oh. Yeah. There's some Irish tales about how you might be able to protect yourself from a puka, mainly in that horse form. It's said that a rider might be able to take control of the puka by wearing sharp spurs and using them to steer the creature if you're already on its back. Hmm. Okay. A popular legend describes a young boy who had been the target of the creature. A farmer asked him what had kept him out so late, and when he told the farmer about the puka, the farmer gave him spurs, telling him to use them if he was once again enticed to ride the creature. It came back, and when it did, he used the spurs and the puka threw the boy from its back. Within a week, the puka tried again, and when the creature saw that he still had spurs, the creature avoided him. (laughs) I mean... In the stories, like, the spurs are usually referred to as sharp things by the puka in tales, which um, some people think to stem from the belief, like, that it was, like, cold iron, because it has the ability to ward off, um, like, supernatural or fairies. There's also the theory that it wasn't iron, but silver, which fairies are also thought to be vulnerable to. I love fairy theories. Yes. (laughs) 
Some say Apuka convinces drunk people to ride it only, um, and that it gallops around all night, drops the person back where they were picked up, like I said before, but this person already drunk is also under the spell of the Puka and has no recollection of what happened. And Darn. that's why some people who have gotten very drunk and have no memory of the night before, that's what happened to them. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> Other legends talk about how the pukas were helpful to farmers, and in some stories, the puka has the power of human speech and is known for giving advice and leading people from harm. In one tale, the farmer's son noticed the invisible presence of a puka brushing by and called out to him, offering him a coat. The puka appeared to the farmer's son as a young bull and told him to come to the old mill at night. And every night after that, the puka came secretly and performed all of the work of milling the sacks of corn into flour. Well, that was nice of the puka, but I'm I'm concerned as to what the farmer has to pay. That's the thing, though. So the farmer's son tried to catch a peek of the puka, and the first time he fell asleep. The second time he concealed himself in a chest to catch a peek, and later he made the puka a suit of fine silk as a present to thank it. This unexpectedly caused the puka to go off to see a little bit of the world and stop milling the flour, but by then the farmer's wealth allowed him to retire and give his son an education. Later at the farmer's wedding, the puka left a gift of a golden cup filled with drink that evidently ensured their happiness. So they can be nice. It's like Rumpelstiltskin, but like not... Yeah. Another example of the puka as a benevolent or protective entity comes in tales where the creature intervenes before a terrible accident or before the person is about to happen upon a malevolent fairy or spirit. In several of the regional variations of the stories where the puka is acting as a guardian, the puka actually identifies itself to the human, which is really different because, like, it's such a huge contrast to the lore of, like, many other, like, fairy type. Yeah. Yeah. Prime, like primarily fairies, um, who guard their identities or names from humans because names have power. There are stories of some pukas being bloodthirsty and vampire-like creatures, and some even say that some are man-eating, hunting down, killing, and eating their victims, but I couldn't find a lot of those stories. Other legends speak of the puka joining groups of travelers, befriending them, and speaking knowingly of their past, and as well as predicting future catastrophes that could befall them, then he would take himself to off to a hole under the hills and laughing while these events unfolded. That's so nice of them. Yeah. Uh, one account. This one is not nice. This one is bad. Um, slightly sad at the end. Uh-huh. Uh, November of 1813, Kildare Hunt, known as Killing Kildares, set out, having indulged in a traditional stirrup cup, which I don't even know what that is, at Tipper Crossroads. Um, the hunt failed to um, raise a fox until it was approaching north of Ballymore, Eustace, County Kildare, and a large fox appeared and led a course towards Liffey. I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry. Simultaneously, an unmounted black horse appeared that didn't belong to any of the riders. The terrain was difficult and the fox ran fast, like so fast that only one of the members of the hunt, a man named Grennan and a horse, that was really Puka, mm-hmm. uh, was able to catch up with it. So, But the hounds were gaining on it and they started to pick their way across the rocks. Seeing danger, Grennan attempted to stop the hounds, but Puka was heading 
was ahead of them and tempted them onward. The fox headed for a ledge, um, like a narrow part of a gorge, and seeing the um, puka's red eyes, the fox jumped. It missed the ledge and fell into the water. And the puka easily jumped over the gorge, disappearing into the woodlands, but the hounds still smelled the fox, and they went headlong right into the water after it. Those poor pups. I know. And suddenly, after seeing what had happened to the fox and the dogs, Grenin heard diabolical neighing, like an animal laughing from the woods, and he knew that the horse was puka. Diabolical neighing. Diabolical neighing. (laughs) I really want to know that's what it sounds like. Is that like... (laughs) (laughs) Diabolical neighing. I just diabolical mm. neighing. Um, more recent encounters with pukas involve mysterious conversations. Uh, it's important to realize that, like during a conversation with a, a puka, you might lose track of time. Like you won't even realize how long it's been when you're having a conversation. It can last hours, and then it'll suddenly be over. Like they'll just leave, be gone, without saying goodbye. And How rude. suddenly it'll be hours later and you won't even have an no. idea if what you just experienced was real. Yeah. They so the ooh, so they're like the um creatures that erase your memory in Doctor Who. The silence. Silence, yeah. I was like, what are they called? I guess kind of, but you still remember the conversation. It's just that you don't know if it was real because like it seems like as quickly as he arrived the puka He's arrives, gone. they're gone, okay. but it's been hours. So I don't okay. know. Interestingly, there are agricultural traditions surrounding the puka, the creatures associated with Samhain when the last of the crops are brought in. Anything remaining in the fields is, is considered puka or fairy blasted or inedible. Um, some area In some areas, harvesters leave a small share of the crop, the puka's share, to appease or placate the creature. So November 1st is the puka's day. And one day of the year when it can be expected to behave civilly. Um, In other areas at the beginning of November, the puka was known to either defecate or spit on the wild fruits, making them inedible and unsafe to eat. That's why children are supposed to avoid overripe blackberries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. While in some regions the puka is feared, in other the puka is more respected. Uh, Like during harvest time, like I just mentioned, if treated with deference, it could be beneficial in these areas, the puka is a creature of the mountains and hills, and there are stories of it appearing on Puka Day and providing prophecies and warnings to those who consult it. On other oh. days, uh, a way to tell if the puka is in a good mood is to put a comfortable bench on the right side of your door and an uncomfortable bench on the left, and a happy puka will only sit on the right, which is a good thing. Okay. You don't want them to be upset, because I think that's how you know shit's gonna happen. I mean, shit's gonna happen regardless, but yeah. Yes, but it is a superstition. I know. In some parts of County Down, the puka is described as a short, disfigured goblin who demands a share of the harvest. And County Leash, uh, it appears as a monstrous boogeyman. While in Waterford and Wexford, the puka appears as an eagle with a huge wingspan and in Roscommon as a black goat. In popular culture, other iconic mystical creatures are incarnated from Puka. So, so, like, the boogeyman is kind of derived from Puka. 
and okay. um, also the Easter Bunny, which is yes. pagan in origin, a fairy-like creature that brings chocolate eggs and sweets to children at Easter, it has its roots in the fertility spirit theme of Puka, as they're thought to be able to create or destroy. And in apparently in the film Harvey, 1950, directed by Henry Coster, a giant white bunny was inspired by the Puka. Okay. Because it can turn into the- a hair. Well, yeah, but the puka I thought you said was dark. A white. Not always. Not, not always. always. Remember, okay. in some stories, it's white. Uh, I missed that part. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned before, it's believed that the puka may live in small lakes deep in the mountains, and in fact, some of these great lakes are known as puka pools, which roughly puka translate pools? to the demon's hole. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm much more likely. Actually, that's puka a lie. Pool. I was going to say, I'm much more likely to visit the puka pool than the demon's pool. I'm going to the demon's hole. <laughs> but, like, Coming. that's also a lie, because um, I would attend both. <laughs> there's also a fair held every year in honor of the goat called Puck Fair at Kilgorn County, Cary. I also did read something that said that the rabbit in, um, I don't know if it was just a theory or if it's, like, actually confirmed, but I read that the, um, rabbit in Donnie Darko, I think his name was Frank, is, based on was the based off of Puka. Okay, so, Which I'm would glad- make sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Also, there is a movie on Hulu called Puka. Yes, Ooh. there are actually a would lot- not recommend, but- Yeah. <laughs> There is a long list of things that are either directly related to the puka um, in, like, movies and TV shows, or they're, like, loosely based on it. Um, things that have just been slowly, like, over time, like, those yeah. characteristic stuff like that. I didn't want to list them all here because there are a lot. A lot. So many. <laughs> but oh uh, that is the puka. There is a um, TikTok where somebody found a cat. A cat? Oh, that looks like the puka. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they were wondering if they found a new um, species of cat because it has no undercoat. It has a tail that looks like it could, like, hold on to shit. It, mm-hmm. Very interesting looking, and it looked just like this picture, except the face was more cat-like. Oh, yeah. is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want it. I also want that cat, but also I just want a long uh, furred cat. Just I've not had one in a hot minute. <laughs> okay. So what's your story? Uh, my story this week is actually kind of, sort of kind of similar to yours, but more so in the fact that it has really become popular in popular culture. Okay. I did tell you my story is about the golem, a wonderful Jewish legend. Oh, I'm so excited. <sighs> I love it. Uh, I, I, w- I wanted to cover it a couple of months ago, but I don't know why I didn't. I think we were doing something else, so I was like... Probably. Probably. So I can ho- I hope I can give it a little bit of justice, but I'm not entirely sure. So we're going to try. Um, my sources are Wikipedia, of course, myjewishlearning.com, jewishvirtuallibrary.org, newworldencyclopedia.org, ancientorigins.net, mythology.net, theculturetrip.com, tresbohemes.com, newyorktimes.com, and jewishencyclopedia.com. All righty. So, a golem is a being from Jewish folklore that is made entirely from inanimate matter, such as clay or mud, that is then animated by means of religious rituals. Fun, right? Um, I think it's cool. <laughs> 
The first golem uh, being that of Adam from the original Adam and Eve. If I you didn't take know that. The... That's okay. Well, if you if you look at the Bible, Adam was made from the dirt of the earth. And God okay. spoke into the the dirt and brought Adam to life. Okay. So, yeah. The word golem can even be found in the Bible in Psalm 139.16, noting the raw material that God used when creating Adam. However, unlike a golem, Adam was given a soul and could think, feel, speak, and have emotions. Speaking of, golems are also thought of to not be that intelligent. One of the common reasons a person would create a golem was to have them do their bidding. Mm. So since they they were kind of made to do the serving of another, intelligence really isn't needed. Thus why in modern Hebrew, golem is used in order to mean dumb or helpless. Oh, okay. And or dim-witted. Okay. It's also a yeah. And when given an order from their creators, golems will sometimes take the order just a little bit too literally. Ah, all right, all right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can relate. (laughs) (sighs) Me too. So it was really during the Middle Ages that people began to seriously look into the ways that golems could be brought to life. Because until then, it was literally just story. The Sefer Yetzira was, um, which is a religious book for the Jewish, was literally studied and dissected as a way to find out how exactly a golem could be created. Okay. One belief is that through a religious reckoning with God and ritualistic use of the Hebrew alphabet, one could write down the name of God, like a specific name, Mm -hmm. on a piece of paper or stone plaque. Once on that paper or plaque, one would just insert it into the golem's mouth, forehead, or arm. Uh, then if, for whatever reason, you need to kill or unanimate your golem, golem, you would just remove this paper or plaque, yada yada. This sudden interest in creating life is similar to many of the resurgences during the Middle Ages where people were trying to feel closer to God or feel like a god. Oh, yeah. That's kind of all the religious connotations, which I personally love because this is just as much as I'm not religious, I love learning about religion. Yeah, I like, I I think it's really interesting um, that they would write down like the name of God and put that in the golem's mouth because I thought it was like a command that was written Mm -hmm. down and put into the golem's mouth. That is another thing. That is another thing. Um, Another popular belief is that by inscribing the word emet, which means truth in Hebrew, into the forehead of the golem that it would bring life. Okay. Then by removing the first letter, changing the inscription to met, which is death in Hebrew, uh, the golem would then be deactivated. Okay. So like that you said. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So like you said, kind of a command or. Yeah. Yeah. This was especially useful when the, when the golem creators set household chores on them. And this is a case with Rabbi Solomon Ibn Gebiro, and I do apologize if I pronounced that wrong. I did look it up. But sometimes the mouth doesn't always do do what you want it to do. Exactly, yes. And it definitely is not in this case. So according to the Jewish Encyclopedia, this rabbi created a female golem in order to take care of the household chores that he was too busy to complete himself. And even possibly as a concubine. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. According to legends, this golem, rather than made of clay, was made from wood and hinges. So, and it was actually only after other religious leaders learned of this golem's existence that Rabbi Solomon was forced to destroy her. One story in particular was passed down through the generations before finally being written down between 1630 and 1650. Rabbi Yahoo created a creature out of matter, otherwise known as a golem. Golem. And it performed hard work for him for a long period until one day... When the rabbi saw that the golem was growing larger, fearing that it would grow so large that he would destroy the universe, the rabbi eventually removed the holy name from around either the golem's neck or his forehead, and it subsequently turned to dust and rubble. However, this was not before falling on the rabbi and injuring him on the face. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. The most famous golem story is that of the Golem of Prague. This occurred sometime around the 16th century and was later documented by Wolf Pastels in 1847 in a collection of Jewish tales titled Galerie de Sepirum. The same story has multiple variations, of course, but according to legend, during this time, um, the 1500s, the city of Prague was under the rule of the Holy Roman Empire, which was ruled by Rudolf II. Hmm. While Rudolf was apparently an enlightened emperor, this didn't stop the Jewish citizens of Prague from being subjected to anti-Semitic attacks by Christians who lived within the city. Yeah. These Christians would often accuse them of murdering children so that they could make matzah bread using the Christian children's blood. Jesus Christ. These accusations were obviously untrue which is called blood libel by the way that was my next note oh sorry i didn't know if you it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> yes these accusations became known as blood libel and libel libel and they're still sort of kind of a thing yeah I'm not gonna touch on it some of these christian prosecutors were even known to sneak into the jewish ghettos and leave the body of a deceased child on the street in order to further give lead to this narrative oh my god rabbi Lowe is a great guy for one he always looked out for his people and tried to do what was best for them so seeing all of this unfolding before him in his city he prayed to god for a vision to tell him how to go about stopping these very, very false accusations. And God responded to him, telling him to make a human image of clay. The rabbi, his son-in-law, and one of his favorite students went down to the river and formed the shape of a man from the clay. They then each walked around the figure seven times, reciting a religious formula that was given by God. And the golem was brought to life. According to the story, the golem appeared to be a man in his 30s, whom the rabbi clothed and proceeded to name Joseph. Joseph the golem. With the help of a talisman, Joseph became invisible and was sent out to stop anyone who was carrying large parcels. Whenever a person was found with the intent of dropping the body of a dead child, Joseph would tie the person up and carry them and the child's corpse to the authorities. Oh, Wow. Once the blood libel was declared groundless and the persecutions against the Jewish people was forbidden, Rabbi Lowe then removed from Joseph the Golem its gift of life by walking around the figure seven times backwards and saying the same word spoken to give the gift of life, mm. only this time in reverse. 
Okay. Which I'm sure was very interesting because it's very hard to speak in reverse. Yeah. However, in other versions of the story, the golem came to life through the use of the parchment with the god's name inscribed on it. Mm. Eventually, the golem became uncontrollable and wreaked havoc on the entire city, attacking anyone and everyone, including the people that he was tasked to protect. Oh. In this version of the story, Rabbi Lowe saw the destruction left in the golem's path, and he was forced to remove the parchment from the golem's mouth and reduce the creature to rubble. The remains of the golem were then stored in the nearby Prague synagogue, which is the oldest synagogue in Prague, um, where it remains to this day. Hmm. In another story, a rabbi had once presented to his teacher, the Vilna Gaon, ten different versions of a specific passage from the uh, Sefer Yetzira and asked the Gaon to determine which text was correct. And the reason that um, Vilna Gaon is important is because he is known as the pious genius from Vilnius. So he's a, he's, he's a genius from Vilnius. Yes. We've been there. He's a genius. And has been for a while. Anyway, the gown immediately identified one of the texts as the correct rendition, then proceeded to inform the young rabbi that he had once began the process to create a golem when he was a child in order to protect Jerusalem from evil when he was only 13. Oh, wow. Like, Vilna Gaon was 13 years old and trying to create a golem. However, he received word from God that this was not what he needed to do and ordered the young gown to stop because of his young and tender age. Which, thank you, God, for not allowing <laughs> a child to create a monster who can wreak havoc on the entire world. Thank you, say you for that. You say that like it's a bad thing. Oh, it's for sure a bad thing. Anyway, similar creatures in appearance can be found in other cultures as well, such as Hungnir of Norse mythology. Hmm. He was a being made of stone who was defeated in a duel by Thor Odinson when he became drunk and abusive after entering Asgard. Ah. So really the only uh, similarity I see between this guy and Gollum's is he was made of stone Mm. and became belligerent after a certain period. (laughs) Okay. There's also the Yiddish and Slavic folktale of the clay boy, which is a kind of weird combo between the stories of the golem and the gingerbread man. Okay. Okay. So, and also it's, 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 it's not cute, but it's super cute. Basically, (laughs) an (laughs) it's a child's tale. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Basically, an older Russian couple whose kids have all left home made a boy out of clay and left him to dry on the hearth. Suddenly, the clay boy uh, comes to life, much to the delight of the older couple, who proceed to spoil him and treat him like a real child. Like Pinocchio. However, the boy does not stop growing and eats them out of house and home. Literally, he eats all their food, their livestock, and eventually even his own parents. He then proceeds to go around the village eating any and everything in sight until he is smashed by a goat headbutting him. He, this is actually uh, turned into the cutest little book by Mira Ginsburg. That's why I said it's a cute book. I've heard of it. It's cute. Um, so, okay, also, speaking of books, fun fact, Mary Shelley was apparently partially inspired by the tales of the golem when she was writing Frankenstein. Huh. I, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like Gollum's, Frankenstein was brought to life uh, to do someone's bidding. However, when he starts running amok, he is chased down and killed Mm -hmm. like Gollum's. There's also several dramatizations regarding Gollum's many books, movies, TV series. The most popular ones being a book series by Terry Pratchett, the first book known as Feet of Clay, Jonathan Stroud's The Golem's Eye, Neil Gaiman's American Gods, Alice Hoffman's The World That We Knew, The X-Files, The Simpsons, Sleepy Hollow, Grimm, uh, not to mention a slew of video games and music and even more books and movies and TV shows. It's on like, um, the mid not the magicians the order on netflix um mm-hmm. the, it's on legacies yes it's also on um the puss and boots series mm-hmm. the animated children series yep and it's mentioned in um supernatural as well so mm-hmm. like i mean really golems are just golems are just in everything it has just kind of embedded itself into pop culture and that is all i have about the golem i love it I, i've always been really interested in the in golems i don't know why i think they're really interesting that's because they are really interesting it's a creature brought to life that's made out of mud think of the things we used to do as kids we made little things out of clay and mud and we wanted them to come to life we made potions and tree logs true like a little weirdos like <laughs> yeah yeah i remember stealing a bunch of the spices in my cabinet and going behind my garage <gasps> where there's that little like alcove of um like wild bushes and stuff mm-hmm. and i remember that potions. too <laughs> all righty thank you all so much for listening if you enjoyed that if you didn't, you know the drill. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Ignore my screaming cat. <laughs> or Twitter at Miss Misfortune, or you can search for us using our full name, Miss Misfortunes, will pop up. Also, please, please, please send us an email to mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com. We would really like to do another listener's episode, so we really look forward to reading your all's emails. Yeah, also, I really like that. <laughs> yes, also please check out our website, MissAndMissFortunes.com. Our theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, anywhere, anywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere. All places in your dreams. I don't know. Um, Send it through the cloud. Send it. (laughs) <laughs> all hail the glow cloud all hail um, the go the, the go cloud all right thank all right, you thank you bye bye